This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's Best Eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. To uh, the random movie generator with myself, David Earl, and um, David cinematically charmed Edwards. I'm on an absolute cinematic, um, uh, on the edge of an epiphany. Hot air balloon. An air balloon, um, a cinematic cruiser. I really am. I'm cutting through the water of cinema like um, DiCaprio on the edge of it with Winslow on the edge of the boat, just kind of arms out, king of the world embracing the charm and mythology of cinema simple as that uh, thank you everybody for joining us this morning on um on youtube and thank you for downloading and listening to us in your ears uh, this is a movie podcast anyway so how's your week been david my week has been very much um filled with a lot of filmic experiences that i'm hoping to share with the good people of the not just uk but that big blue that big blue rock that hangs above us, that mighty jewel that we sit within Earth. Simply, that's the wonderful thing about the World Wide Web, isn't it? That we can all interact. Yeah. So, can I just ask, because I had it in my head, it was mentioned two minutes ago. Have you ever been in a hot air balloon? Uh, no, I haven't. I've never been in a hot air balloon. I'd love to. I'd love to give that a go. Would you? Because I don't think I would. No, I think I'd give that a go as an experience type of thing. It's not like you're in an Apache, Apache helicopter or anything extreme like that. I think yeah. the ultimate um, thing would be a Spitfire. But then again, a Spitfire, you'd have to fly it. There's only room for one man in that, isn't there? So maybe a hurricane, something like that. I'd love to go into an old Second World War battered plane and fly. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. I'd, I'd absolutely love that. The idea of, um, you know, particularly a Spitfire, because it's so small and cramped and so sort of aerodynamic, isn't it? All you have is just this, this joystick between your legs. Okay, absolutely already it's gone freudian simple as that but just um cutting through the sky and um they've got the new um apple plus show on haven't they um masters of the air that's um just yeah. come out i found the special effects slightly disappointing for that oh it's um it's it's 
don't get me wrong, it's all right in places. It's supposed to be part of the uh, Band of Brothers and Pacific franchise, which obviously came from Saving Private Ryan, so it's Spielberg and Tom Hanks produced. And the aesthetics for that series are supposed to be very gritty, um, grounded in reality, documentary style. But this new show, I think because it's produced by Apple, they've gone for a more kind of almost Dan Buster's nostalgic war drama feel. And very CGI effects. What I'm saying is, I'd love them to do like a proper Spitfire movie. You know, real sort of live action. A bit like what Chris Nolan did with Dunkirk, but proper Spitfire kind of Battle of Britain vibe. Didn't know, didn't know you were a Spitfire spod. I think um, I'm always tiptoeing around the edges. I've never leaped into the centre and just become completely gone into... Um, you know, Rain Man mode and just engulf myself. I reckon within eight years, you're going to be Spitfire heavy. Going around with a Biggles jacket on. Well, maybe, but I think you'll be really immerse yourself in the Spitfire world. What sort of like late 40s, 50 years old, kind of like that mid-century life crisis type of thing? Gosh, yeah. I mean, why not? Mark Burton says here, David Edwards spits fire every time he reviews a movie. Well said. Absolutely. The fire spitter quite right get ready hollywood because i'm spitting fire i've got some notes to give you all so david what how's your movie experience this week uh, this this week i went to see um the bob marley biopic oh i was i was asked to go to watch that on m- monday i didn't hear i didn't know about it oh right what was like a social thing or was it like a kind of yeah oh right excellent stuff who invited you along with that then was that like a sort of um a group of Absolutely. Tapping the finger on the nose. Do you want to know? Please do. No, I can't. Oh, was it someone quite interesting? Yeah. And was it like a sort of private screening type of thing? It was like a little film club. Oh, what, like a a local film club sort of thing? Wowzers. So what is it like local people who like um, watch the film and then sit around in a circle and then discuss? I don't know. I don't know, but... Blimey. Is there any other sort of film club? I'm slightly jealous. Yeah. Uh, every Monday they get together and... Um, what's what's next on their rotor of films coming up? I don't know. Well, Bob Marley. Oh, goodness me. And there'll be shows there. And is it a local cinema down the road sort of thing? Might be. Might not be. Well, you know, you are your own man. You can have other film-related friends. It's not an issue. Do you know what I mean? This, I guess, this is in a way a film club already. But if you want to look, you know, join more than one club, that's fine. That's how many people have been called a traitor and shot out in an alleyway, in you know, in other eras of the world. But honestly, this person asked me, and I went, "Oh, I'd love to be. I'd love to do that. I'd love to be part of that." Yeah. Are they quite passionate about their films? Into yeah, yeah. absolutely good thing. Good yeah. thing. Lovely stuff. Absolutely. Mix it up. <laughs> Cinema shouldn't just be uh, limited to this one podcast. You know, it's uh, no. like Bob Marley, you've got to share the love. Simple as that. The German says, I reckon David L knows quite a bit about Bob Marley from his Gardener times. Yes, I do. I, I drew a massive on a bit of, um, is it Calico? I think so. Is it Calico? I drew a huge picture of Bob Marley when I was 20 and hung it above my bed. Oh, wow. So Stephen Fry has a cutout on one side of the bedroom and Bob Marley on the other. Mm -hmm. Goodness me. Two sort of left-wing giants looking to... um, Looking down on me. Looking down on you, absolutely. It sounds like you had quite a 
it was almost like a Jeremy Corbyn bedroom in his teenage years, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? In the sense of like, you know, all about helping the repressed members of society. Yeah. Well, Stephen Fry. Well, I guess he's um, back then in the 80s, it was, um, you know, um, he's very much a candidate for mental health and homosexuality. You know, two of the minorities. That, well, mental health is that a minority? No, it's not at all. We've all we've all got that lurking in the basement at some point. But poke its head out. Certainly, a man who's um, going against those kind of right wing beliefs type of thing. I got really into Bob Marley for about two years. Really, I never knew that. Was that pre cure or was that post cure? Post post cure. So it went from. Um, uh, yeah, my memory is so bad. I've already, the Cure. I've already forgotten the name of the band. So it went from the Cure to Bob Marley, basically. Yeah, it did. It went from the Cure to reggae. God flipping heck! Goodness me! So smoking the old doobies and listening to the Exodus, Bob Marley style. Not bad. Not bad. Guy. Exodus. Da, 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 da. I was a window cleaner. God flipping he skip. Movement of your people. Hello, Mrs. Perkins. Living the dream. Did you have one of those sort of Jamaican uh, knitted woolen hats type of thing? Like that? No, but I had I had a dread. You had dreads? Did you really? I had one big matted. Have I not told you? Tom, where did you get that from? Did you go to the Brighton Lanes to get that? How did you do it? I didn't wash my hair for two or three years. Wowzers. Flipping heck. And how old were you? I had with? red, gold and green necklace. I did not know the whole Marley thing. I knew the whole Cure kind of... Um, eyeliner sort of like pre-goth look type of thing but I did not know about the whole Marley just trying to work out uh, what? should be down the cinema checking the Bob Marley um, biopic out I mean this has been made for you Hollywood is I remember sitting watching cricket once just going I wish I was black um, why not I mean you know in my head I wish I was black what was that Trevor oh but put my pads on <clears throat> there we go pop them on for crying out loud I mean you know that's that's very forward thinking even then sort of like you know Thinking outside the box. Yeah. For crying out loud. And what made you think that? You just thought, oh, they just have way more fun than me. I wanted to be a Rastafarian. Why not? For crying out loud. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, where did, uh, did you go and watch it with Ryan? I certainly did on a Thursday as our usual time. It seems to be more Thursdays now than Fridays because of his work commitments. Does that annoy you? Uh, no, I'm. It's sort of becoming my new routine. It's amazing how you know, like a, a like a, a Labrador or Yorkshire Terrier. At first, it's confusing, but then you get into a whole swing of it. It becomes a new habit. We're all Pavlo's dog deep, deep down inside. Pavlov. Pavlov's not Pavlo. That's a pie, not the dog. Let's get them right. Yeah. So it's up to you, Captain. We can go into right. We can, oh no no no! no, no. no I'm for oh you no no! To no. Sorry 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 sorry. I was just wondering why I'm, I'm, I'm creating these sorry. massive pauses, these uh, these Edwards tumbleweed moments, which is not good for uh, you know live podcasting to keep people on their tippy tippy audio toes types of thing. So the Ryan element, yes, I met up with him on the Thursday. Um, it was a case of I um, what did I take him with me? I, uh, the bakery from Tesco's, a large little uh, doggy bag of uh, five large giant white chocolate chip cookies. Thank you very much, Mrs. And um, 
there was so- come back to carry on camping. Carry on camping, absolutely. It's like Kenneth Williams. <laughs> thank you very much. Oh, oh well, thank you. Wife, you bought five of them. Five of them. They were, they're incredibly cheap. What, just for you or you and Ryan? Um, Ryan had one. I had the other four. And they were um, just, it's just, it, it's amazing when the dough hasn't been properly cooked. You didn't eat all four watching the movie, though. Well, I mean, when you think about it, well, it's easy to do when you think. I don't think I had all five, three, because I had uh, one at the beginning, uh, one at the end of Act Two. One in the middle and one at the end. There you go. You went telepathic then for a second. Basically, it, it was the beginning of every act of the film. The script writer in me came out. I thought, are we in Act Two now? Lovely. Bring out a white chocolate cookie, please. So how many sensible bites does it take to eat one of those? Four? Yeah, four five. five. Okay. Easy, easy. Gluttonous four, and then five if you're going to be a bit of a, 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 a French prince about it type of thing, you know, and eat it in a more, you know, reserved manner. How, can I just ask this question? How did it come to be that you had four and Ryan had one? Um, I offered it to him, and uh, and 60% of the time he goes, no, I'm fine, because he'll have his own food. But there's 40% uh, chance they will say yes. And he said yes this time. And a part of me did sink. And it was like, yeah, you can have it. Even though, you know, I wouldn't have been able to eat all five. I'd have been ill. But for some reason, it's greedy. But it always goes through my head of, as I'm eating the second or third one, why can't I be more like Ryan and just have the one cookie? That's enough. Why do I have to I'm be like the you, cookie David. monster? It's just dreadful. There's a, there's a real sense He's of He's satisfied with the oh, one. like a normal human being, then he goes about his business and he watches the film. But I've got to, like, have some tussle. And by um, Cookie 3, it wasn't <laughs> 4, three. it was 3. <laughs> um, it really was a case of um, you're hating yourself by Cookie 3. It's just like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Yeah. No pleasure. Is that his cookie? I'm, I'm actually looking over him to him at one point. His eyeballs just looking at the screen. He's engaged in the film. Were you? You're looking at him? Um, only briefly. You don't want to stare at someone too long because those Darwinian uh, inner senses of someone staring at me come in. Do you know what I mean? Why is this man staring at me? Is he going to attack me? Can, can, can I have a look at what that looked like, David? So he's watching and you were looking at the screen then you looked at him. Just so what? Like, you know. And what were you doing? Oh, you were looking at him like... Just a brief look as to say, why can't I just have the one cookie? Why do I have to go into number three, four, five, six? I hate myself eight. You know what I mean? Why do I have to, you know... The hateful eight. The hateful eight. Well said. Very Tarantino. Yes, <laughs> quite right. The hateful eight. <laughs> My mouth is just stinging with sugar. I can't even taste anything else. May I ask this? Why doesn't Ryan buy something so he's set... For the evening. Why does he have to rely on your cookies? I think he would have had something with him. I can't remember what it was, but he does come very much prepared. And um, it's a, in a far more reserved manner. So he might have um, half a pint of maybe lager that he'll very delicately swig as he watches the film. And maybe, you know, a very nice little uh, box of um, uh, Doritos and dips from the cinema. I'm trying to think of other stuff he has. But it's always just a normal amounts it doesn't have to be a viking it doesn't have to be a, a biblical last supper and it's just like why can't i just somehow change my neurons around below the old blonde barnet inside my skull so how many people were watching this bob marley uh, movie um, in the- i would say uh, two-thirds of the cinema were filled up a lot of them um 
our sort of age. A lot of men wearing Bob Marley t-shirts. So there's a lot of sort of fan oh, elements. Really? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Tucked into their jeans. You had a lot of men. I remember in the toilets um, seeing a lot of them. You had a lot of men, uh, a pair of sensible neck-style jeans and a Bob Marley printed black t-shirt tucked into a pair of jeans. Almost like people wore Red Dwarf Smeg t-shirts in the 90s and slightly stretched redlocks around um, a beer belly. Right, right. Looking a bit Jeremy Clarkson-esque. Okay, well, I'd like to say I don't think I would dress like that to go and watch the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I think they were quite um, proud and focused, really. Do you know what I mean? Just sort of like, um, they're not really the people that you'd expect being, you know, big Bob Marley fans, all very kind of... um, Like Richard Hammond. Yeah, Richard Hammond, you know, sort of your white... Lower middle class, well, he's not lower middle class, is he? But, you know, that kind of like uh, your average suburban white male who's into a bit of Marley, do you know what I mean? Smoked a few doobies at college or, or uni. And, um, you know, uh, he hit a chord with them. I mean, that's why Hollywood's hoping this demographic will come out, do you know what I mean? Um, talk to us about the movie then, because I really hope this is a goodie. Because if it's not, what what a what a missed um, opportunity. Well, I think the one bad step they made with this film is that they had to get Bob Marley's estate to sign it off so they could use all the music. And I'd say the two good elements of the film is Kingsley Ben Adia, the guy who plays Bob Marley, who's been in a few prestige TV dramas, appeared in some films, um, but this is his big kind of like, you know, starring role ultimately. He pl- he. It's a very impressive performance. I think it goes without saying that this is, um, you know, so it's been things like Peaky Blinders, uh, the High Fidelity remake, um, you know, primarily big TV shows. And it is a very impressive performance. It goes without saying. And also well shot, you know, very kind of high budget cinematography, um, you know, very uh, good production design, recreating the era of the time. Um but the script is utterly sanitized and is just completely lacking with, of any sense of drama whatsoever. Because you can tell that Bob Marley's estate is involved and they can in no way slur the man whatsoever. So what you have is a Jesus Christ in dreadlocks. You don't have a man with any flaws that is in any way three-dimensional. They very, very slightly subtly... Um, refer to the idea that he was a womanizer, even though his wife uh, was with him all the way through. Um, so he was constantly playing behind her back. And also, um, there's one minute at the beginning. Well, there's a bit of drama at the beginning when someone tries to assassinate him, which doesn't isn't pulled off. But after that, there's just no drama at all. You just go through each stage like a whistle tour of his career without any impending drama. There's a few moments in the third act where, you know, she, the wife does express her frustration of his adultery habits, but it's not really focused on massively. Uh, and also the manager is um, making money that he's not sharing or making uh, Bob Marley aware of, and Bob Marley attacks the manager. But the second act is just completely empty of any um, suspense, drama, or a character that's got shades of darkness within them whatsoever and it's it's fascinating really because in actual fact um a lot of the script writers 
Terence Winter was involved with developing the script. Big writer who worked on The Sopranos and Broadwalk Empire, so very respected, and also did the first series of that Sylvester Stallone Paramount Plus TV show, where Sly is a, um, a gangster who comes out of prison and is trying to sort of, you know, realign himself in modern society. So Terence Winter was involved, and also it was... Um, uh, I can't remember his name, Zach something, I'll get his name up, who uh, was nominated for an Oscar last year for King Richard. So, um, you know, yeah, Zach Balin. I've read some of Zach Balin's unproduced scripts online and they're extremely good. And those those writers wouldn't have been cheap. But the script writing really is quite um, just a void of any sense of drama whatsoever. It's interesting. Argoyle, I would say. Argoyle. Sorry, let's get it right. Argyle, very poor film in the sense that you could tell that there was problems behind the scenes because the film just doesn't come together. Whereas a Bob Marley aesthetically looks absolutely fine. Great performances by the cast. Great reconstruction of the events of um, of, of his life in that period in Europe and Jamaica. But um, the script has just been sucked of any drama. So the Bob Marley estate signs it off. And because of that, a real snooze fest to watch through. Mm, wow, a snooze fest. David Edwards, snooze fest. Absolutely. I mean, that would be the quote on the poster, unfortunately. Then barely full, but we're hungry. Um, it really is. Um, you get all the songs, all the moments, but nothing else. Well, absolutely, because the estate has signed it off. So that's the plus you get from it. And... Um, I mean, I think the studio was hoping for it to be like an, a, um, an awards film. And also it's the same director who did King Richard, the Will Smith film, two years ago. So, you know, it really is same writer um, and director. And it's just it just limps along. There's just nothing there. It looks good on the screen. Uh, he's great in it. Do you know what I mean? I think if it if it did well critically, he'd definitely be up for being nominated for Oscars. What a shame. Yeah, it's a misfire. But it shows that um, if there's no hanging question marks within the plot and there's no, you know, elements of darkness within the character that make them appealing or watchable, it's just an empty squid. There's nothing there. Um, And it's a fact that you never smoked a doobie at college. Absolutely teetotal, big capital T. Just like Mr. T himself said, um, don't be a fool. Stick, you know, um, keep away from the narcotics. Simple as that. So, the, like Danny Kendall had that, he would say, "Just say no," or, or maybe the Grain Chill School to just say no. You had your own at college, so whenever, everyone, whenever anyone approached you about doobies, what did you used to say to them? I give it a French twist and just say "Non, Monsieur." Simple as that. Definitely. So, and that was even before you know what well, we would have been in the Euro. We've gone backwards now, but. It's a case of... Um, so just... can we recreate that? So I'm, I'm just this little oik at your school. Oi, Damien. Oi, you got any wisdoms, mate? Do you want to have a little smoke with me down the end of the red hot? No, monsieur. No. No, monsieur. No, monsieur. And I just walk backwards, still looking at them, giving them full eye contact. Not interested. No, thank you. Absolutely. I'm not going down yeah. that rabbit hole of hell crying out loud <laughs> I think at that point I realised I wasn't going to do great magician seeds the, the, the rabbit hole of hell absolutely of addiction and uh, babies walking on the ceiling to quote train spotting 
Oh dear. Should we do? Should we make up a song that could have possibly been a Bob Marley tune? Um, we'll make up our own version. But a song that, if you heard it, you go, did Bob Marley write that? And you go, no, David Edwards and David Earl did. And what would the perspective be? Because, I mean, looking at the film, he's always got some kind of political agenda, isn't he? Well, how about, how about Pushing Love? Abs- absolutely, definitely. Oh, I can't try to think. You've got to go... Um, what is it? Um, Pushing red light, left and right. Now, I'm trying to think the whole Jamaican vibe. Does everything's gonna be all right? You've got to do something like that. I mean, everything's gonna be alright. Push it, push it, man. You gotta push it. Push, go, push that love. Only give it though if they want the love. If they say no, you gotta stop pushing. Just say love. Just say love. Push it. Just say love. Say love. Push it. Just say love. Just say love. Just say love. Push it. Just say love. Something like that type of thing. Something that I... The other thing with the film is when every, all the Jamaican characters were really well performed, but as soon as you've got an American or a British person in, um, they were always really stereotypical. So you'd see them like smoking doobies in the, in the uh, record studio coming up with songs just like that that we came up with just then. And um, James Norton was playing one of the characters. And... Um, are you aware of James Norton? Is that someone you've interviewed? It isn't, is it? James Norton? No, I, I thought it might have been, but I don't think it was. I thought it was someone you may have interviewed in Chatterbix. But he's very... Oh, him, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've never... No, I know the guy, yeah. But he's very... Everyone who's like British or American, they're very stereotypical. Like, Bob, I really love what you're doing. Let's just do it one more time, please. Uh, or you get an American journalist that's very much kind of... Um, uh, the thing with you, Bob, is that you don't have a machine gun. You have lyrics, and that's how you kill people and mow down the non-believers. For some reason, anyone who's not Jamaican, the Jamaican performances are incredible. And then everyone else is very stereotypical. Mm. And also, the flashbacks are appalling. Every now and then, you flashback to him as a kid, and it's almost as though the second unit team crew filmed it, not the main director. It's a funny old... Um, it's a funny old beast. It's a funny old beast, full stop. Well, everyone, let, let's let's now guess uh, how many chalk ices out of five David's going to give it. I'm feeling very confident I know what this is going to be. Um, so please put in the uh, YouTube uh, chat how many chalk ices out of five you think one of the greatest movie reviewers... Uh, out there at the moment, David Edwards is going to give. Me. Goodness me, I don't know about that. Yeah, sir. Is going to give this movie. Um, so everyone's having a little, uh, having a little guess. Corey T, Steve H, Spronks, Zoe F, Jeff Dow, Tatus, Sam White. They're all hovering around the same. Uh... Yeah, interesting. Okay, right. So here we go, David. So the Bob Mark. What's it called? Bob Marley. Uh, One love. So the movie, new movie, Bob Marley, One Love. How many chalk ices out of five are you going to give it?
I'll give it two. Oh! There you go, on the money, Captain. Well, twenty four seven. So you gave it for the performances. You thought it looked good, but um, oh, uh, ultimately, definitely the production design, very impressive. Yeah, all the aesthetics are there. I think you know, if you aspire to be a scriptwriter or a director, I think films like um, Bob Marley, One Love, definitely worth watching because you know it's a case of it's all there on the screen. All the money's being paid for. If I was the actors, I'd be very frustrated because they're putting off, I think, you know, uh, award quality performances. But if that script, you know, hasn't got those kind of um, those hanging question marks, they call them enigma codes, don't they? Whereby you want answers, you know, you're projecting yourself into the future. Like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen there. Or the character doesn't have any dark edges about it. It's not Harry Potter. It's supposed to be an adult drama based in reality. You want a bit of anti-hero element in there, you know, some contradictions to, to, um, to tussle with. And when that's lacking, it doesn't matter how much money's on the screen, you're just not going to be sucked in. Well, David, thank you so much for this week's Movie of the Week review. Thank you, Captain. Thanks for listening. Thanks for giving me time to express myself. So, Dave, have you got any movie news this week? Movie news. I think this movie news, unfortunately, isn't going to um, uh, tick your particular box because it's in the world of comic book movies. But it is. I'll be very quick because I know you're not a fan. You're not a Mr. Marvel. Uh, neither am I. But there's a paying public out there who are, are there interested. A, there's no other movie news out there. Um, well, the key, key thing is there's, a, there's, a, there's bits and pieces. Definitely, there's a lot of movement with Disney that's really significant. But one of the big things that Marvel have announced, which is obviously part of Disney as well, is that um, because Disney now own Fox, they purchased Fox quite a few years ago and they have got their um, their IP catalogue, they've now got the opportunity to actually make a Fantastic Four movie. I'm and done. they announced it on Twitter, or now called X, and other social medias, who the cast is going to be. So, um, which is a big deal. We've got Pedro Pascal, obviously from The Last of Us and Mandalorian. He's going to be Richard Reeds, aka Mr. Fantastic. Vanessa uh, Kirby from um, The Crown and also Mission Impossible's latest outing, Sue Storm, Invisible Woman. Um, you also have uh, Johnny Storm, aka The Human Talk, is uh, Joseph Quinn from Strangers Things 4. And Ben Grimm is going to be Eben Moss uh, Bakriak. Um, who is uh, from the Bear, and they are going to be the new cast. And what was interesting is that the, uh, the Marvel released this um, very uh, almost 60s uh, Hanna-Barbera-esque uh, drawing of the cast, dressing the Fantastic Four outfit. And a lot of people think it's going to be a case that it's going to be retro Marvel. They're going to set it in an almost um, slightly futuristic Jetsons retro setting. And also there's a robot character in the background handing um, the thing a, a cup of tea. And um, that also gives it a feel it's going to be, be having that kind of retro vibe. Because apparently the robot character, who's like their sort of butler, was part of the, uh, the cartoon show that was very popular in the early eras. And it's a happy Valentine's Day card as well. 
that appears. I know I've lost you there, David. I apologise, Captain. Oh I think um, because the thing is, Disney are hoping it's going to do well because ultimately, um, comic book movies are going for a drought at the moment, and this year they're going through comic book book rehab, and they're only going to release Marvel and only releasing one film, Deadpool three, Deadpool versus Wolverine, and that's it. Because they just, then Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3, they just didn't make any money last year. So, you know, it seems to be video game adaptations that are doing work at the box office at the moment. So they are hoping it is going to, um, you know, re-suck in an audience. The other news is Disney have got new uh, plans. Um, is it Mahan? Oh, God, this is terrible. And I apologize this. Once again, I've forgotten the name, the actual title. Um... What is the name of the very popular animated film that did incredibly well with streaming? And it began with an M. Um, oh, sorry, Dave. This is so ridiculous. I'm having to do this. Not uh, at all. Mahunda. It's not Mahunda. It's... Um, Mahunda. Uh, oh, God, how embarrassing. Oh, Jesus, God. Um, what's it called? It's not... Um, it did really well. Is there anyone on, on YouTube that knows this at all? Um, uh, is there anyone on YouTube that can help us with this one? Is it Moana? Moana. Thank oh, God. I love Moana. Absolutely. There's going to be a Moana 2 that's coming out at Christmas. It was going to be... Oh, are you a big, big fan? So, oh, I think it's amazing. Wonderful stuff. It, originally, it was going to be planned for... Who 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 saved me there in, in the Patreon... Um, who saved the person who saved you first was and always is D D D P P P. Well, he is the hidden film messiah, isn't he? That keeps coming up with these little gems. Yeah. Thank you, I... D D D P P P. Well, they're doing a Moana. Now I'm sitting up. Absolutely. It was it was designed for Disney Plus, but Disney have decided seven months um, before its actual release that it's going to be cinema released. So they're putting seven months into it to give it a more cinematic um, oomph, if you like. And that's coming out at Christmas. The other thing that Disney have done, though, they've put a lot, they've invested a large, large amount into Epic Games, the people who, who make the Fortnite game. It's obviously very popular. And a lot of, and also Fortnite have said they would like to do spin offs of the characters in universe. And that makes sense that Disney will obviously have characters within virtual worlds. You know, um, similar to Fortnite, where people will be able to, um, and also create online theme park experiences using their film characters. But also, it will make sense that at some point Disney will take Fortnite characters and then create spin-off um, TV shows and feature films as well. Okay, so Fortnite will dominate movie news over the next five years on the random movie generator. Absolutely, and we will not be looking at each other like this. I'll be a giant panda. And you'll be a little squirrel, and we'll be existing in metaverses together. Won't that be fun? Oh, that'll be good. So everyone on the YouTube chat will all have their goggles on. Oh, absolutely. That'll be nice. Let's do that now. We can all meet up in our little movie review castle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All sit around a big stone table. DDD and PPP will be eating his goulash. Goulash, definitely. And we'll all be um, just, if you like, ready player one, basically. Oh, what about Dave? If I go, ladies and gentlemen, please um, uh, raise your glass to the movie reviewer, King David Edwards, and you walk down the steps in wow. the movie reviewer castle. 
That would be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I'd like to be something like um, something really surreal because you could be anything. Uh, I'd like to just be like um, a burst of wind, maybe. Just like a wind that sort of just moves around the oh, room. Just moving around to so everyone's. And you only know me because a bit of paper has moved or, or oh, some wow. or something. Because when God. I was watching Ready Player One recently, I just thought, where well, everyone's just being, you know, Michael J. Fox from. Um, Back to the future, or they're going around in a Kira bike. Why not? Just so I go it? over to the window, just open the window, and you come in. Yes, I'm a metaphysical uh, weather temperature. Breeze. I'm a breeze, absolutely a breeze to hang out with, and quite literally a breeze. I bring the weather with me. I bring a vibe with me. Simple as. Well, David, thank you so much for this week's movie news. Disney's on the rise. There you go. That's one thing you want to think about before you go to bed tonight. Okay, okay, so um, this week's randomly chosen movie review, I can't remember for the life of me, is... It is The Guilty, starring Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. Um, Okay. And uh, let's give you an insight into that. I've never heard of this movie. Had you heard of it? Uh, Yes, I had. Uh, It came out in 2021. It's a very new one. It's a big director. Uh, The director is um, Antoine Foucault. And uh, he directed one of his big um, directorial films that put him on the map was Training Days with Denzel Washington and uh, Ethan Hunt. No, Ethan Hawke. Hunt is the name of the spy that Tom Cruise plays. And um, it was written by Nick Pozzolato, um, who did season one and two of The True Detective. Antoine Foucault. Foucault, absolutely. He's just wrapped doing the Michael Jackson biopic, which stars one of Michael Jackson's nephews. Um, so it'd be interesting how they tiptoe around Jackson's uh, background as well. If that's just going to be completely sanitised and just uh, politically correct and everything's just popped into the closet. I don't know how you can do a Michael Jackson uh, biopic without it being a horror film with everything we know. Um, so yeah, so we've got that element of the guilty. Basically, it's very much a COVID movie that was filmed during COVID. And it's quite high concept in the sense that it all takes place in the... Um, in a 999 call, emergency call centre and starts Jake at Gyllenhaal. So The Guilty 2021 follows Joe Baylor, a troubled 911 dispatcher. So it's not 999, that's UK, 911. You want to remember that if you're an American tourist. Dispatcher working the night shift in a busy dispatcher centre. He hates his job. He was fired from his f- previous role. And from that, I, I don't want to say much because there'll be spoilers involved. One thing is interesting is that there's a mass, it's set in LA and there's a massive forest fire taking place, which adds to the atmosphere, certainly. Um, it was interesting in the sense that um, the director, Antoine Foucault, um, got COVID during filming. So he had to basically um, sit in a truck outside the studio and direct it from outside the room. He couldn't actually enter the room during the directing. And there is a lot to enjoy within the film. You know, because it's a self-contained thriller, which has almost become a subgenre within itself. It's a nice setting of the L.A. firestorm. It creates a dark, gothic 
um, lots of like news stories that we see uh, on the TVs dotted around the office. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal, certainly at the beginning, he's a very much a charismatic, um, uh, you know, actor performer to focus on. You know, uh, lots of um, one shots where uh, you're just focusing on him, nothing else. And he's kind of like dark, intense energy is very captivating. Tight pacing, not too long. A gripping storyline and a cross, you know, very claustrophobic atmosphere. And basically, um, you're dealing with a woman who's been kidnapped. And he's trying to uh, basically locate her this one evening doing his, her job, doing his job on, on the phone line. But as things evolve and develop, you slowly learn more about Jake Gyllenhaal's character as well. And how he's got a dark past. And perhaps he's projecting on this female who's supposedly kidnapped. And um, it's not just a simple thriller about saving her, getting all the clues. And you've got to remember she's kidnapped during this this uh, forest fire that's spreading across LA. So there's lots going on. But also it's more about revealing his dark past and why he lost his job, and now he's working in this 9-1-1 emergency centre, which isn't a job he enjoys whatsoever. But I won't go any further than that, because it'll be filled with spoilers. I sense that you quite enjoyed this, David. Would I be right in saying, or are you just being a little bit... Hmm. I think a better version of this came out about four or five years ago, this style of filmmaking, which is... Did you see the Steve Knight? Written and died. Steve Knight being the um, the creator of Peaky Blinders, he created Lock, which starred Tom Hardy. Yeah, I saw that in the yeah, car. It's not as good as that, where Tom Hardy's driving across the UK, and you don't quite know who he's driving to, but he talks to a lot of family members and also people working for his large building company that's going through financial crisis, and um, the story slowly develops of him just in his car talking to these people. It's not as good as that. It starts off with loads of potential. After a while, though, and it seems very critical for me to say it, but Jake Gyllenhaal's performance, it doesn't have many gear changes. It's The claustrophobic atmosphere, which at the beginning serves the film, becomes too samey, too repetitive. And a lot of the voices of um, the kidnapped um, mother, her uh, scared child, they become very repetitive. You know, that there's no actual... It's like we looked at Victoria, I think. Um, oh, that's a deep dive later on, but that was a European film that was also one, very much a one-shot, self-contained thriller. And, and one thing we enjoyed with that, a German film that's worth checking out, it had gear changes. It wasn't just constantly, you know, high-pressure, anxiety, anxiety. And you feel that with the guilty. It's like every voice that pops up on, on the uh, radio is just always just utterly terrified and filled with fear, which works okay to a certain degree, but it becomes very repetitive. The other thing is, in amongst the voices, there's a lot of celebrity voices in there, like Ethan um, Hawke and uh, Paul Dano. And that can take you out the drama a bit, I found. Maybe I'm being overly critical there, but I think what made the film work at the beginning for me and sucked me in... Um, it was almost as though, you know, you had too much of it by the end, you could argue. Okay, so uh, for people listening, that's The Guilty, 
the randomly uh, chosen movie. That's the guilty. If we could now guess at how many chuck ices David's going to give it out of five, I think I'm going to nail this as well. I think I know where David's going with this. I hope. Uh, let's see what you think. Please put your. Uh, please so put your. Th- it's a remake, by the way, of a Danish film. Just for people to be aware of that. Although it's not that important, but you know. Okay. Steve H is that a guess? Here we go. DJ Swad, Corey T. A few people. Yes, yeah, so they're very interested. DDD PPP is that a guess? The distance. Uh, Matteo, Wowzers Trousers. Okay. So, David, the guilty. How many chalk ices out of five are you going to give the guilty? Three point five. Oh, we are so near on the money there. So so near. Oh. 3.5 you're going to think act one and two I was really into it but I wouldn't say it stick the landing it didn't quite land the plane okay so it's not oh no it's good good in places absolutely it's good in places totally definitely and Jake Gyllenhaal's not many watchable. people guess 3.5 everyone going two three you've gone up a bit so it's maybe it's worth watching this movie yeah it was just that last segment just did not keep me completely engrossed it became it's almost as though um you know, you love a whisper bar, but oh, it's back to the white chocolate cookies, isn't it? White yeah. cookie number three is just like um, you're just eating it for the sake of it. You know what I mean? It's just like you've had too much of the same flavour. How many sittings? How many sittings? I would say um, oh, three, whereby um, I found it a bit repetitive and the, the, um, the voices on the other side of the TV, uh, telephone slightly repetitive and a bit theatrical after a while when you get up when so you had three sittings when you get up and if you're feeling a bit shifty shifty in your seat do you sometimes just go for a piss just have a break um yep or i make a cup of tea it's usually a drink which will make me want to go for a wee later on as well but no sweeties no sweeties no that is for the cinema i don't even think about it really god amazing amazing well, thank you very much, David, for this week's randomly chosen movie review. Thank you very much. And this is going to be very annoying, but I'm going to have to just very quickly have a wee, and it's going to take me one minute. I'm really sorry. Honestly, I know that's so So, David, have you got any movie tips this week? Yes, there is a good movie tip. Um, a book is coming out very, very soon, literally the next few weeks, and they've printed um, chapters of the book, as they usually do, and it is uh, getting rave reviews. Um, 
I'm getting it up right now. It's basically um, Ed Zwick, who's a well-known uh, film director. He has brought out a brand new book. And um, just to make sure I've got the, uh, the title completely right, um, basically it's called Hits, Flops and Other Illusions. And it is called The Best Book Since William Goldman's Adventures in Screenwriting. And a lot of people have very seriously likened it to that. And um, um, Goldman, William Goldman's book, you know, Adventures in Screenwriting, is an absolute classic. And the reviews are basically saying, as well as having lots of revealing Hollywood anecdotes, uh, it gives you lots of tips of how to actually navigate the industry. And just to be aware, Edward Zwick directed The Last Samurai, Glory, the Civil War period drama, war film with Denzel Washington and Matthew Broderick. Um, and um, I'm trying to think the other classic David things. this is your white chocolate cookie in book form oh, 100% and I've already read a few chapters because they they, they, um, they bring the chapters out early just to give you a taster and also I've listened to some of the audio tape as well uh, and also do you remember 30 something back in the uh, very late 80s early 90s he created 30 something a well known TV show um but uh, he's done a Courage Under Fire he made. So he made a lot of those kind of 90s new millennium, kind of very much adult-focused um, thrillers with a large budget. Oh, and also Blood Diamond with DiCaprio he made. So he's a very, you know, uh, Can you give us director. any sort of sugary cherry uh, sweet nugget of um, info that you've read? Oh. Mate, it's full of fascinating stuff. So, for instance, um, Shakespeare in Love was his project. He found it, he developed it in a big, big way. And he um, had uh, got Julia Roberts involved. And um, it was his brainchild. Jeremy, he wanted to steer it to the screen. Julia Roberts was at the peak of her career. And um, she made the decision that... um, she wanted Denzel Washington to star with her and to be, not Denzel Washington, Daniel Day-Lewis, sorry. Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> to star as um, Shakespeare. And um, when uh, and they, he'd literally flown to London with Julia Roberts to start pre-production rehearsals. And Daniel Day-Lewis in the end couldn't do it because of schedule conflicts. And um, Julia Roberts just left the project, as simple as that, even though it was in pre-production. And she'd signed on for it. And um, so there was that aspect that he just saw this project cave in on him. Also, um, Harvey Weinstein got involved and he demanded certain script changes as well. And the whole thing just demolished in his hands. Everyone lost belief in it. And he said he had to really swallow um, humble pie where he saw other people just take it on after him, after him doing all the heavy lifting, developing the script, getting it going as a project, and it became the Oscar film of the year. Oh, can you imagine the feeling? No real involvement at all. The other stuff he talks about is on the set of Glory, where Matthew Broderick was only a few years off Ferris Bueller, and he was a big, big deal. And a lot of people in the industry are quite surprised about this, because... um, Matthew Broderick has never really come over as being a handful on set. But apparently at that period during Glory, um, Matthew Broderick, uh, he he wasn't dealing with his fame very well and was going for a bit of an egotistical period, whereby he demanded that his mother, who was um, a history school teacher, 
would come in and do massive rewrites to the script. And Edward Zwick didn't want to lose Matthew Broderick because he was a big part of the package to keep the film going. And also it was very near filming. So he had to sit down with Matthew Broderick's mother and um, do actual rewrites with her, which he found incredibly patronising and found her, you know, quite a um, hostile woman David, at times. what do you think about the decision of this director to write a book to satiate the gossipy tendencies of your good self. Yeah, it's a very interesting in the sense that... The thing is, though, what he does do a lot, though, within it, because apparently he wrote it during COVID, he does always talk very sympathetically about the actual um, uh, movie stars. Because he, he says that, you know, he worked very much in a Hollywood that wasn't dominated by franchises, comic book movies. He definitely... Um, made films during the movie star era, which is still here to a certain extent, but not as much. And he does say that, you know, um, he he's very much beguiled by movie stars. He can see why they're important. And he does, he's sympathetic with the intense pressure that's on their shoulders. And he does say a lot of the time that if he was in their position, he would act in a very similar manner, neurotic, anxious, because if the film does well, he says he's hidden behind the scenes, unlike a movie star, you know, who their whole face and their voice is attached to it. And also he does paint himself in a bad picture at times, whereby he exploded many a time in front of Matthew Broderick's mother, where he just had enough. And he said that his temper also added to the bad relationships on set. So I think, you know... Um, a lot of the time it has been seen as like up there with William Goldman's kind of memoir writing in that it's a very balanced outlook. And he does give you a lot of tips about how to navigate Hollywood. The idea of um, it's not just the script, which producers are you getting in bed with because they're going to protect you. And it is a very much a guidebook of it at the same time. Definitely, certainly. Well, thank you, David, for that. That sounds... Not a problem, sir. That sounds very tasty. And when you get it, I would suggest not devouring it in one cookie sitting. Oh, I will sitting. not. No, because you'll be gutted when it's over. Massively gutted. And I think I've already read a few chapters that have appeared in the New Yorker and places like that. And already I peaked at my Christmas present way too early. <laughs> yeah. Naughty Can I day. ask a question to anyone uh, watching? Um, has anyone watched, and in fact, even you, David, because I've just started and I'm like, oh, I like the feel of it, but I've literally just watched 10 minutes. It's not a movie, but has anyone watched The Godless on Netflix? And is it good? The Godless? What's that one about? It's a Western. Anyone watch The Godless? If someone says it's great, then I'm going to stick with it. Someone else goes, meh. Uh, then I'll... I'm not aware of the goddess at all. It's a TV series. Has it just started? No, I think. Blimey. Anyone there on Patreon World that are giving you some love? I don't think anyone's just waiting. I don't think anyone's watched The Godless. It doesn't ring a bell for me. Anyone oh, John there? Salmon. Yes, loved it. Who oh. wrote it? Who's it by? I think Steven Soderbergh is involved. Oh, is he really? What, as a producer, that's definitely usually a seal of approval. Yeah, Jack O'Connell and Jeff Daniels are in it. Oh, right, yeah. okay. That's, that sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, DJ Swad loved it. Oh, great. 
If so, then I liked it. Okay, it felt really good. Gave up after four or so episodes. Oh. Oh, that's not good. The Godless Minisa 2017, so quite a while ago. Oh, yes, Jack O'Connell. Yes, I am aware of this. Jack O'Connell from Skins. It did get good reviews, certainly. Right. Jack O'Connell, he was heading for massive things. He had an amazing year where he did Startup, the prison drama, and also he did 1977, which was like um, uh, a, a British soldier stuck in an island during the IRA um, attacks. But he never kind of um, did anything after that. He had this amazing year where he was going to be the next big thing. And then it just kind of sizzled out for him. But um, it does look at I, the godless. I think I remember um, Adam Buxton giving it rave reviews on his podcast when he was saying what he'd watched that particular, um, you know, that particular week. And he was a big, big fan. Do you know what? If you like Westerns, the one you want to watch, mate, definitely is uh, the one starring, um, oh, I think it's called uh, The English. And it's, um, just bear with me, because it's got really good reviews. Yes, with, it's called The English. It's on Amazon, okay? And it's uh, based, oh, do you know who directed it? It's the chap who worked with Rob Brydon in the early days, Hugo Blick. And it's got very good reviews, and it came out in November. Where well, he directed that is starring Emily Blunt. And um, that's got incredibly good reviews. It's supposed to be really, really good. And massively so. I'll definitely check that out. Thank you, David. That is why you're worth your weight in white chocolate cookies. Oh, I, I wish I could eat my weight. Just eat myself. And then that would just be the end of the whole white chocolate uh, scenario, wouldn't it? Uh- and Deadwood have got away. Anyway, thank you so much, David, oh, for this Deadwood's week's a big deal. movie definitely. tips. Definitely. Whoever said Deadwood definitely is the way forward. Yeah, you're quite right. David Edwards, Okay. Okay, so now it's the randomly generated... Bloody hell, Finley. Look at Finley. He's got a Mohican. He's looking very Travis Bickle there in the corner. Don't keep looking at the Mohican because it's only there to try and uh, stir up controversy. Oh, I'm going a bit toxic towards him there. I like but the you, Mohican. you've been hanging out with him and apparently you've been smoking doobies with him. So I've the been- French... I've not so been smoking doobies whatsoever. I held it for him at one time, and I wonder why I'd ran away. And there was an, uh, an encounter with a policeman. And um, since then, I've been tarnished with being a drug user, and I certainly ain't. Do you know what I mean? The only drug I use is uh, D-list in the form of a paracetamol. Finley's head shake. He's going like that. His Mohican's going from side to lying. side. Definitely not lying. I wouldn't start wandering down that rabbit hole of hell, as we called it earlier. This late in my days, there's no way I could function with doobiness going through my DNA, blood, veins. No way, I can just about doobiness. get up in the morning. 
the lone star uh, dealing with narcotics and wandering through Tesco's trying to find my white chocolate cookies. The distance says David Edwards has a real problem with the robot community. Absolutely. Which is a good timing because um, they're very much on the rise, aren't they? Uh, right, okay. Let's uh, let's find you. Right, I, I, do you know what? I only ever think about my side of this bit of the pod. How do you feel your side sitting here waiting for this movie to appear that you have to review in the next week? There's always a low-level anxiety. Anxiety is yeah. I only ever think of me doing that. If it was if this was me, I'd think I would. I'd have rumbly anxiety that, oh, fuck, I've got to do that. What am I paying into? What, what's, um, Shit! What am I going to be sucked into? I'm I definitely, there's an element of like, you know, this gives me an idea of what my weekend's going to look like. It probably could, it is homework, isn't it? Potentially, potentially homework, definitely. Okay, let's a see, Finley. pleasurable experience. Right. Okay, here we go. Um, here we go. I cross my fingers. I don't know how what Finley's thinking over there, but let's hope he finds you a good movie. Let's please, David, find the genre of the movie you might be reviewing next week. Stop. Thriller. Ooh, you can't go wrong with that. And now let us find the genre of this thriller. Sorry, the. And now let us find the decade of this thriller. Stop. 2010s. That could be good. Finley, please generate four thrillers from the 2010s. Finley has. And now it's over to you to tell Finley when to stop spinning. Stop. The Adjustment Bureau. Oh, that's a Philip K. Dick. That's Emily Blunt, interestingly, isn't it? Matt Damon. Yes, it is. David, guess what? Victoria is one of those four. Oh, really? Yeah, which we did a deep dive. Oh, that is interesting. The Adjustment Bureau. Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Terence Stamp. I would definitely be interested in that one, 100%. That would definitely have me... um, I'd be interested. Okay. Ooh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Some people are making little comments about the Adjustment Bureau in that I'm not going to tell you what they're saying. I'd be be very interested in the Adjustment Bureau. It's a Philip K. Dick remake, Matt Damon. I don't know who the director is. I would like to watch that, definitely. Now I'm thinking more about it, 100%. Okay, so let us find the genre of the movie you might be reviewing next week, the second genre. Action. There we go. That's me and going now, back to the mothership. And now the decade. Stop. 2010s. Same same era. Okay, Finley has uh, created four action movies from the 2010s. It's now spinning them around in his ass, and it's now time for you to tell Finley when to stop spinning them. They call me Jeeg. What on earth is that? They call they, me Jeeg. I've never, I don't even, I haven't even come across the name Jeeg, let alone the they film. They call me Jeeg. They call me Jeeg. 
Call me G. No idea what that one is. Okay. Interesting. Indeed. Any, see if anyone's... Hmm. Okay. Okay, here we go. Let's find the genre of the third movie that you might be reviewing next week. Over to you. Oh. Comedy. Okay, we haven't had a comedy even in a while. I don't think we've had hardly ever had a comedy. And now the decade, please. Stop. Nineteen seventies. Okay, seventies comedy. So we're thinking of you know aeroplanes, something of that vein. Okay, there's four comedic movies from the 1970s Finley's spinning them around in his ass or Mel Brooks maybe something in that vein it's time for you to tell Finley when to stop spinning stop Animal House oh that would be interesting that almost might be a bit like watching a carry on film again political correctness gone awry certainly wow that would be interesting Animal House okay so here we go John Belushi Animal House poster in my student bedroom and I'd never watched the film I just thought it was a cool retro thing to have have up. you seen it have you seen it uh, years ago like on VHS my brother had it years ago I've never seen it I, I'm okay. always questioning if I've seen the whole thing do you know what I mean it's like so long ago okay so David three movies The Adjustment Bureau They Call Me Jeeg and Animal House I've given each movie an A, a B, and a C. I've jumbled them up, or have I? Perhaps I haven't. Some weeks I don't. Some weeks I do. This week I haven't, or have I? Interesting. It's over to you. Let's see what movie you're going to be reviewing next week. Is it going to be A, B, or C? B. They call me G. Oh my god. What is that? What is it? I mean, I'm so in the dark with that. Even if I didn't get it, I'd have Googled it afterwards to find out what it is. That's straight to Netflix, surely. Right. Can I say something, David? Yes. Before you jump in and hate it, I've just looked it up very quickly. How do you even spell it? Because I'll have to find G- it. J-E-E-G. J-E-E-G, okay. Straight away, someone said, this is the best movie I've ever seen. So leave it at that. Right, okay, okay. No reviewing, no looking at the reviews. Never heard of it. Yeah, you never know, you never know. I didn't know that German word. I think, it's, I think it's foreign. It's a foreign. It's a foreign movie. Call me G, right. Okay. They call me Jig. They call me Jeeg. Right, okay. 2000, when did it come out? 2015. I'm not, I'm not Googling it. But I do need to write it down because the thing is I will forget it. They Please call, don't look at the reviews. I'm not. Although you always not, stick to you. I do. They call me Jeeg and it's 2015. It's Italian. Right, okay. Do you know what? From what I've seen, I'm really looking forward to hearing Italian. what you think of it. Never heard of it in my life, amigo. But there we go. I will keep an open mind about it. Simple as that, and I will not look at any reviews. 
I can't wait. I don't know whether I. It's, do you know what I think? You're either going to go, oh my god, this is awful, or that's the best film. The most. What a lovely surprise I've just had. I think it's going to be an extreme either way. I think. I thought I'd have come across it in some vein. Do you know what I mean? But obviously not. Obviously not. Well, there we go. Let's give it a Christopher go. Christopher Green says, Edward's attitude stinks. Rightly said. <laughs> rightly said. It's, you know, Just because I've not heard of it, it's going to be shit. I am a, a, a man in his mid-40s that has my comfort zone, if you like. Do you know what I mean? I know what I like. And if Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't in it, saying his one-liners, I'm lost in a barren world of confusion. It's, David, uh, thank you said. so much for this week's round of movie generator. Should we pop into the patron shed to answer some questions? Absolutely, and thank you for your time, sir. And I will keep my mind, heart, and cinematic soul open to Jeek. Yes. Um, and uh, thank you, everyone else, for um, uh, listening this week. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. We're now going to go uh, and sit with the patrons and answer some questions and relax a bit. As we do, we to kick off our shoes and uh, chew on a bit of corn. Absolutely, uh, and start interacting with the uh, the elite group. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, want to say uh, that too much. No. But I'm elite. This me the, the I'm talking about Trump and the one percent. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it.